Well, kia ora and welcome to the Dawn Chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey on the Kaka. Today I'm having a closer look at social insurance. I did a podcast over the weekend for the spin-off, which I'd recommend uh, listening to. I've done interviews with Richard Wagstaff from the CTU and with the CEO of Business New Zealand, uh, Kirk Hope. In today's Dawn Chorus, I took a closer look at um, the pros and cons of social insurance, unemployment insurance, what the hot buttons will be in the negotiation, which will have to happen quite quickly. Remember, the government's on a limited time frame here. It only really has power to push this through while it has a majority in Parliament, which is unusual. And most people think that won't be the case after the 2023 election. So it really needs to be in place before... September or so of 2023. So that means designing the plan, getting legislation through, getting agreement, getting it set up before the end of 2023, which will be very difficult. Remember, no one will want a a deal done and uh, a plan to get it in place after 2023 and then potentially a change of government. That's exactly what happened in 1975 when the Labour government under Norm Kirk and Bill Rowling uh, got through a, an Australian-style pension scheme, but it was reversed by Robert Muldoon when he got into power in 1975 after his Dancing Cossacks campaign, which alleged it was a type of communism. Now, uh, this social insurance scheme has been presented as a European-style uh, thing that could be a lot like ACC, where... Uh, employers, uh, employees and the government each contribute to a social insurance premium that pays out 80% of your wages if you're made unemployed and um, it could be for a certain length of time, obviously much better than the current doll and uh, it potentially could include health and disability insurance. So if you get sick while you're in work and you can't work anymore and maybe you don't um, qualify for ACC because it wasn't an accident, then you could um, get some sort of health and disability insurance. Uh, That will be one of the hot points. Business New Zealand don't want it. Uh, The CTU do. One of the reasons that Business New Zealand and employers are so keen or seem so keen on this idea is that they're worried that a, a majority Labour government could push through mandatory um, redundancy um, payments. So this would mean, you know, if you've got someone who's worked for you for 15 years, they're eligible for two years worth of redundancy payouts. That all seems fine. But of course, think about the accounting of it. If you're a company with lots of older workers, overnight, you're going to have to put aside a liability in your accounts for the potential redundancy of these workers. Now that for some large companies um, could mean a, a massive wipe out of its equity and potentially um, having to renegotiate any debt covenants if they have debt with their bank. So employers really don't want that. And that's why I suspect they're uh, involved in this um, tripartite push for um, social insurance so that they have a seat at the table when Labour alone and the union movement um, write this social insurance scheme. Now, the other thing to watch out for is uh, essentially uh, who pays. Now, if it's a PAYE style scheme, um, that means that contractors uh, may not be contributing to this scheme. Uh, That's why there's talk about an ACC style premium, which contractors would pay. Now, the question is, will contractors pay all of it or will employers? 
pay a bit and how much might the government pay. The government does have a bit of leeway to do it in a neutral way because it is currently you know, paying out for the doll. And um, that costs some money. So if you can transfer that across into the scheme, that means it's a neutral cost. Employers um, will realise that um, they may have to pay a bit extra. They won't be that happy about it. And it depends how um, gold-plated if the scheme is as to whether effectively it becomes a tax increase for employees. Now, I asked uh, Jacinda Ardern about this last week. She said, uh, that it wasn't going to be a tax increase, that it was an ACC-style levy. Well, that um, only uh, uh, works if it's a relatively small levy and it's a relatively skinny scheme. And uh, we'll see whether that's the case. If it's got health and disability in it, if it provides um, real help for people to retrain, that is going to be more expensive than the current model. And remember, everyone's talking about... Um, following what's happening in Scandinavia. Well, there, their governments have upwards of 50% of GDP of the income going to governments. Here, it's more like 30%. So if you're going to have a Scandinavian-style social insurance scheme, you may have to have a Scandinavian-style share of income going to government. And uh, for an increase from 30% to closer to 50%, that's a major change in how we organise things. And remember, Labour committed in 2017 to keeping the size of government around 30%. There is some magical thinking in here that somehow you can design a, a much better scheme for everyone that doesn't cost and doesn't see effectively um, more money being transferred from the rich to the poor, from the secure to the unsecure. And that will be an interesting um, issue in the scheme. As with any insurance scheme, you're socialising the losses or the risks. And um, some people like doing that. Uh, some people say, hang on a minute, um, why is my premium so high? I'm a low-risk candidate. And that's one of the tensions in any insurance scheme is that uh, if you've got customers, you want to um, closely price the risk uh, with the premium. And of course, the, the more accurately you do that, the less transfer of risk you see from the rich to the poor. That will be an interesting uh, problem for um, the government, the CTU and the unions to deal with. Watch out also today for more from discussions between uh, Scott Morrison and Jacinda Ardern in Queenstown. They'll be talking about China. The big news over the weekend is that New Zealand is going to join up as the seconder, if you like, for an Australian complaint against China and the World Trade Organization. That says to our Australian partners, we're more with you in your um, tensions with China than we were before. Uh, that's useful in the discussions um, this week. And we'll push back at some of the noise coming out of Australia about how New Zealand is soft on China. As I discussed last week, I don't think that's the case anymore. It was two or three years ago. It's less the case uh, now, as as we do rightly um, push back at China and stand up for ourselves. Also, um, watch out um, this week. Uh, Parliament restarts and we'll have a post-Cabinet um, news conference. Um, I was going to say it later today. It won't actually be in Wellington. It's more likely to be in Queenstown. Come to think of it, um, Cabinet's unlikely to meet uh, in, in the normal way um, today because of the discussions in Queenstown. So forget that. There we go, thinking on the run. Okay, and um, we don't have any real big set pieces this week. Uh, uh, I will be focusing, though, on um, 
not so much cryptocurrencies. Uh, everyone's talking about that at the moment. I want to talk about digital central bank currencies. So I'll be doing some research on that, and I welcome any comments that you've got or thoughts on, on where the direction of travel will be. Because I actually think cryptocurrencies are not something that will get widespread use or acceptance. They're just too volatile. It takes too long to make transactions work. It's bad for the environment. But um, there will be a push for central bank arranged digital currencies. And uh, we're already seeing that with the Fed, the Bank of England, the European Central Bank, um, the People's Bank of China. New Zealand's a bit behind the curve on this, and uh, I think we need to uh, get more involved. I'll be doing more work on that. That's likely to be my um, podcast uh, for the end of the week with the spin-off. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was the Dawn Chorus on the Kaka. <laughs>